On the left wing, Frazier, alley-oop, he point the need, slams it in. Now that's how you want to get the game started. <laughs> Give you some energy. Big fella catches it above the rim and finishes it hard. Frazier gets a pick, splits the Indiana defense, kicks to Black, who slams it in. Count it, and he's fouled. Frazier back to LeRon, there he is, top of the key for three, and he buried it. There you are, Coach Thomas. <laughs> And LaRon Black with a three-pointer, and it's a two-point Indiana lead. That's going to do it. Down to six seconds. Indiana led by 10 at half. And they're going to win it by 10 tonight here in Bloomington to split the season series with Illinois. 78-68, Indiana wins it over the Fighting Illini. It's time for Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll get you caught up on your Illini sports news along with other area national sports news. Here are Lauren Tate and Michael Kaiser. Good Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. 28 degrees at 9.01. Got uh, a lot of football conversation today, a lot of basketball conversation. Uh, Will Leach of Matt Toon is going to join us. We were going to talk with Illini baseball coach earlier this week. We had planned to talk with Illini baseball coach Dan Hartlib today. That's not going to happen uh, Lauren, I don't know if they're going to play a game today. <laughs> it was 10 minutes ago. It was snowing in St. Louis. This is two days after it hits high 60s in St. Louis. So that's how quickly the weather can change this time of year. And um, they're just uh, – Dan is on the phone with other coaches and the you know, people running the, the business down there. And of course, this is a, this is a last-minute deal anyway. They were going to go to Texas and play, and now they're, they're going to uh, – Play in St. Louis if they can. Yeah, maybe late this afternoon, later this afternoon. I don't know. Yeah, the flight got canceled on Thursday to go down to Beaumont, Texas, uh, due to weather in Chicago. A lot of fog up there. We had some fog Thursday morning here, but it lasted longer in the day the further north you went. And so their flight got canceled out of Midway, so they couldn't go down to Texas. So then they frantically rescheduled this, as you mentioned. And now they're dealing with this weather this morning, and they're supposed to play one game today and then two tomorrow. Yeah, you know. Uh, do you really want to take your best pitchers and throw them out there? They haven't been outdoors yet at all and throw them into a game where the, wet, the conditions are cold and, and you, you know, the, the arms are so precious. They've already lost two pitchers this season, Hayes and Schilling, because of one reason or another. And uh, you just you got to be careful with the pitchers. That's all I'm saying. you got Weber ready to go, and he's your ace. And how much do you pitch him on a cold day in St. Louis if you can play at all? How much uh, do you need to get him actual game work? He needs game work, but yeah. you need game. You, you don't want to be playing in zero temperature either. No, no, it's 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 probably going to be up in the 30s today in in St. Louis before the by the time they play, I if they play, but uh, even that, that's tough, and it's really tough on the hitters. I mean, the pitchers can you know I I can remember uh, sitting in the car with the car uh, heater on between innings while the batters were trying to, you know, the pitcher can run out there. You can stay warm between innings, but the, the other players can't stay warm. No, no. <laughs> and if, and, and you, know, you can have sweatshirts on, and you can keep the, some warmth in your arm uh, fairly well. But I just think it's, it, you know, it's, I hate to see our, our best pitchers pitching on a, on a day like today. The original schedule was uh, Lauren and I would be out of here by about uh, 1040 or so, give or take a couple minutes, and then uh, Scott Beatty would take over at 1045 for pregame coverage of Illinois baseball, taking on the South Dakota State game, first pitch at 11 o'clock. That's now not going to happen I, it, and maybe push back a little bit later. We'll have to see. 
Uh, but uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, for those of you wanting to get your Illinois baseball fix in today, we'll keep you posted as much as we can throughout the day today. Again, coming up in a couple minutes, uh, Will Leach. Uh, of course, he's from Mattoon, founder of Deadspin, uh, Roper Sports on Earth, which is uh, no, no longer uh, the online site, no longer in existence, but now senior writer for MLB.com, has his own show. I watched a couple of clips of that the, uh, this this week, Lauren. And so uh, Will's just got a lot of different things going on. He rides for different uh, organizations, so. He's a big Cardinals fan uh, and going to be covering a lot about baseball. Wrote a good piece the other day on uh, the entire Central Division. He's going to write one about uh, one a week about each division in Major League Baseball. We'll talk to Brett more after that uh, with the Illinois Baseball Team Sports Information Department at the University of Illinois. Have him break down what the latest is. That'll come up in about a half an hour. And then, of course, Brad Underwood has his uh, pregame news conference this morning. We'll try to get you details from that as much as we can. That's at 945, so we'll just have to get reports from that as we go. Big recruiting weekend for a lot of football as well, a lot of players uh, from down in St. Louis. No no Big Ten games uh, last night, uh, which is kind of unusual. Lauren, it's here pretty much this entire season. There's been at least one Big Ten game on yep. a Friday night, but yeah, there well, weren't any last night. Friday night should be left for the high schools, I think. But yeah. Uh, there were some interesting results in that, by the way. Did you see what Danville did to Normal West? Held a curl to 11 points and won easily. Danville's having a pretty good season. Oh, they're good. Yeah. They're really good. Well, uh, one thing we get to later in the show is this condensed schedule, and it's just Illinois plays Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Mm-hmm. That's too many games. That's too many Big Ten Conference games. Those games are too important to be played that close together. And that's that's just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that at all. I get why they're doing it. Uh, all to have a tournament at a place that nobody's going to go to. I mean, <laughs> clear on the East Coast, and you've got like three teams up there, and that's it. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think the right word is nobody, though. Oh, I know, but <laughs> I, I'm be, I'm exaggerating, obviously. But I mean, it's just the number of fans. There are a lot of people from the Midwest that are not going to go. Yeah, it's it's about TV. I, I get that. Well, coming up next, Will Leach is going to join us. Uh, always good to have him on. Uh, get his thoughts on the Cardinals. Get his thoughts on the Cubs. Of course, the Cubs got you Darvish this week, and the rest of the Central Division and more. Catch up with him. See what's been going on of late. That's Will Leach coming up next here on DWS. Give me the names of human beings who have played Batman or voiced Batman in the canon of Batman history. Okay. 20 seconds on the clock. Yep. 20 seconds. Go. Go. Uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, yes. Val Kilmer. Yes. George Clooney. Yes. Uh, uh, Will Arnett. Yes. Uh, 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 Christian Bale. Yes. Uh, uh, Adam West. Yes. And um, uh, uh, what's his name? The great voice of the Batman guy, Kevin Conroy. Yes. And how many do I have left? You have uh, one, two, three left. Ding, Tom. So so you got George Clooney, Val Kilmer, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Adam West, Conroy, Arnett. You missed Louis G. Wilson, who played him in the 1943 Columbia. You lost Ben Affleck, because everyone forgets (laughs) that Ben Affleck. Yeah, it's just not, it's not, it's it's not working. He knows it. He knows it. God bless him. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. I'm Michael Kaiser. He's Lauren Tate. That was Will Leach on the Will Leach Show. Uh, Will doing a lot of different things these days. Will, good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's always very strange to hear yourself talk on the TV show on the radio, I hope. I swear the show's a little better than my babbling there. No, that was uh, pretty entertaining stuff. I was watching a couple clips this week, and uh, I saw that, and I'm like... I don't know if I could name all of those. I, I knew most of them, and um, I, I I forgot about Ben Affleck myself. Yeah, I like the fact that uh, well, I was talking to Drew Powell, who if you watch the Fox show Gotham, he plays Solomon Grundy on that show, and I like the fact 
that one of the people he forgot was the guy who plays the kid who plays Batman on his own show. So I was pleased to know that he did miss that one. <laughs> Give Will a follow on Twitter, William F. Leach. Well, Will, I want to start out. Uh, you were a writer for Sports on Earth, and uh, that 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 site's no longer in existence. Kind of take us through what what happened there, and uh, and what what led to the end of that one. Hey, you know, we got to run for five and a half years, which is really a pretty amazing thing in this time and age for a site purely devoted just to long-form uh, sports writing. And I think, you know, what really kind of happened was it wasn't – I think people saw it as some sort of referendum on journalism that it closed, and it wasn't. Uh, sports on Earth has been owned for the last two or three years uh, by Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball – it was originally owned by Major League Baseball in USA Today, and Major League Baseball uh, had taken over for a long time. But they, they've they gone through like a corporate restructuring to where it no longer made sense for them to continue to cover sports that weren't baseball. So they took a lot of the staff, including me, and had us just write about baseball now. So I write for MLB.com. I have the same job. I didn't have to change my insurance. So, <laughs> I was very, uh, so I'm able to, to write about uh, I'm not writing about baseball for MLB.com three times a week. It was a bummer because SportsCenter was a fun site to write exciting We and certainly we got to publish a lot of great stuff but you know honestly to, for, for a site like that to run for five and a half years a site that's essentially almost like what we think of as like the athletic, the site the athletic now but yep. free <laughs> to be able to do that for five and a half years I, I'm certainly not going to complain. We were pretty fortunate to have the opportunity and I'm proud of the work we did there. Uh, well, this is Lauren. Is the athletic really catching fire? You know, I think that certainly they are being smart about talent. They're certainly getting a lot of talent. And how can they afford all that talent? Well, because the thing that they're doing now, they're doing a thing that's kind of generally very common in Silicon Valley, which is to not worry about immediate profitability. Which is clearly the, the amount of talent they're bringing in. That's not really the goal. They're not profitable right now, but the idea is. You take what they consider to be a depressed market, which would be local beat reporters and news reporters, and basically try to own that market to mm. get people to go in and get the best beat reporter in this region or this region or this region. And so by the time – hope their idea is if they have the best person, they will essentially become the place for sports coverage throughout the country. And then, therefore, by the time they need to become profitable, they will have so much coverage and power that they'll be able to do that. That's certainly their strategy. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But certainly I have to give them a lot of credit for their uh, they're being really smart about the people that they're bringing in. They're bringing in a lot of very smart people, a lot of talented people. Uh, my, my friend Bernie Miklas in St. Louis is going to be writing for them. Yeah, I saw that. I, I, that that's, that's huge, I think. Yeah, yeah. So if you, you get someone like Bernie Miklas, uh, I feel like i got to take you seriously. <laughs> well, uh, which of the baseball divisions would you like to talk? Oh, no, I'll, I'll put this a different way. What would it take for the Cubs not to win the Central Division? That's a great question, uh, right? <laughs> I think, uh, as usual, it was, it was, I think we require a couple of injuries. I think that uh, – I do think the Cubs rotation is still not entirely solid. Uh, more to the point, it's not deep. I think that's the issue with the Cubs rotation. I think the Cardinals, I don't think their rotation is necessarily as good as the Cubs is right now, but I do think they have more margin for injuries, which is what happens to pitchers. Pitchers get hurt all the time. So, yeah, the, the issue with the Cubs is, sir, bringing in Darvish makes them a lot, uh, clearly makes them a better rotation. But I'm not sure who they're, Montgomery, maybe he's kind of the long guy now, is their sixth guy, but after that, you know, the, the whole this comes down to the basic tenet of what a different strategy has been between the Cardinals and the Cubs. The Cubs have focused on getting young hitters and getting young, uh, cost-controlled, team-controlled hitters, and the Cardinals have done that for pitching. So 
generally, we've seen them, how that's worked very well for the Cubs. They win a World Series and they have a great lineup. The, the, the advantage that the Cubs don't have is they don't have a lot of young cross-controlled pitchers, and they definitely don't have a lot of depth in their rotation. So that's the fear with them, is if one of those guys gets hurt, a lot of those guys are getting older, uh, they don't necessarily have those guys to fill in with the Cardinals do have a lot of young pitchers, while unproven young pitchers, that can help. But yeah, I think the Cubs are clearly the favorite. I think the Brewers, frankly, are not where the Cardinals are right now. I think that you're going to, I can see the Brewers making a move. Lance Lynn makes a ton of uh, sense for them. If they were to get someone like him, them a little closer, but you look at that division, I still feel, feel like the Cubs Cubs had a down year last year. That was kind of frustrating for their fans, and maybe not as good as they should have been, and they still won the division pretty easily and made it to the NLCS, so I think the Cubs are clearly the favorite. Yeah, the down year and you make the NLCS, I don't think you can complain about that too much. Back to the Cubs rotation, you haven't seen that conversation a lot this week about the depth. You just hear how great it is at adding Darvish, and that's not something people really thought about a lot. But you're right, injuries do happen, and the Cardinals have Michael Walker, who you don't know if his shoulder's going to hold up. Adam Wainwright, you don't know if he's going to hold up. But they do have young arms who are not in the rotation of five right now who could fill those spots that are young. Now, they may not work out. They may tire by the season end if they had to pitch a lot. But uh, I think the advantage in depth is, is there for the Cardinals, but the Cubs obviously have the, the more proven guys. Uh, a guy like Jake Arrieta, I would like to see the Cardinals add him. Yeah, you know, I think I, I feel like it's unlikely the Cardinals will do that, and I know a lot of Cardinal fans are frustrated by this, and I understand it. You see the Cubs making these big, aggressive moves. You see the Brewers making these big, aggressive moves. And the Cardinals, who, by the way, let's not forget, they, the first big move of the whole winter was them getting one of the best hitters in baseball from last year and not giving up any of their top 100 prospects. So I think it gets lost a little bit. The Cardinals have made some moves. So I think if you're expecting the Cardinals to be to do what the Cubs are doing right now, the Cubs, if you look at the, the farm systems, the Cubs five, three years ago had one of the best farm systems in baseball, and they have one of the worst now. And with good reason, they've leveraged those. They've they've leveraged those players, those young players, to get talent on the team now to help out the team now. But that's going to cost them. Now. The Cardinals really can't afford to do that. The Cardinals have always kind of had the idea that if you that that you have to have to have perpetual contention. You can't just try to win this year. You have to plan for three or four years out. You have to give yourself options. You have to give yourself the opportunity to be good and not go all in for one season. The Cubs clearly, I think quite smartly, have decided the next two or three years, that's our window. After that, we'll figure it out. The Cardinals really don't want to put themselves in that position. So I understand the Cardinals are frustrated that they haven't made – I think they tried to get Donaldson. I think they tried to get Machado, and those teams were not really interested in trading. So rather than go out and make a big, really expensive move just to counter the Cubs, I think it's actually been smart for them not to do that. And it's worth noting, I get frustrated by this too. I, but I think of all these times I've wanted the Cardinals to spend la- the last few years, players I really wanted them to get, I really wanted them to go higher and get Jason – pay more for Jason Hayward. That's not turned out well. I wanted them to get Alex Gordon. That has not turned out well. David Price, a lot of these guys that that we wanted the Cardinals to really go all in and get have actually not turned out to be great free agent buys. And I think that's generally the Cardinals' strategy. I know it's frustrating for fans when the Cubs and Brewers are making moves, but there is a certain logic to it. Well, and I, I, you, you, those names you just referenced, I mean, they haven't worked out very well. And I, I think that uh, I, I don't want a Jason Hayward contract on the Cardinals' books right now. Though, defensively, I do. Um, but I, I, the rest of them I don't want anything to do with. I mean, he had a great finish to the, the one season in St. Louis, but since then he's just not done done well. And uh, Alex Gordon he, he got injured last year, and 
Maybe the front office of the Cardinals knows something the fans don't know, except for the fact that the Cardinals have missed the playoffs the last two years, and I think that adds to the frustration of the Cardinals. Why do you think the front office is confident that this team uh, is going to be different this year? Yeah, you know, I think that's the thing. Is you know, this has always been the Cardinals' front office under John Mozeliak. Uh, he said, like, let's trust us. Trust us. Like, we're not going to make bad moves, or we're not going to be a bad team. You've got to have a little bit of faith that we're to not, we don't make these big moves, and that has totally worked for the last two years. It's not worked for the last two years because they haven't made the playoffs. It's hard to trust them when they don't make the playoffs. Well, I understand. Certainly understand the frustration. I do think, however, that the you don't want to be stuck in a in, a, in an arms race, essentially, with the Cubs. Because, frankly, the Cardinals, while they have a lot of money and a lot of money to spend, will lose an arm race to the Cubs. <laughs> the, whole life, the whole reason that the Cardinals have had their sustained run is they have spent, but they have spent prudently. And they've been able, listen, as a Cardinals fan, for crying out loud, there has not been a season. I think there's been one season in the last 20 years where the season was over by August. <laughs> that is a gift. That's an absolute gift. That's yeah, true. And also, oh yeah, they went the three World Series, four World Series, and won two of them in that time. So I, I understand the urgency to want to like make these moves and go out and get something. I think the Cardinals have put themselves in a position, frankly, where if the Blue Jays do fall out of the race in in June or July, or if the Orioles fall out of the race in June or July, the logical place to go out and get a Machado or a Donaldson if they feel like their lineup needs needs help. I think. When you look at the Cardinals team right now, clearly there are holes. I think the bullpen is a worry, though. Again, that's another situation where they're throwing a ton of arms at the problem and seeing which one sticks. I'd rather them do that than you know, spend a ton of money for a Wade Davis like the Rockies did. I, like, I, and I think that that's what we want. Fans get frustrated. like, oh, just go fix the problem by getting the biggest free agent. But that's not always the best way to solve the problem and often puts you in a worse situation. So I do get it, but I do hope that when the time comes to truly be aggressive, that they take advantage of that moment rather than still saying, no, 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 we're keeping our powder dry. Because eventually, three years, I'll put it this way, three years without playoffs in St. Louis is going to be a problem for a lot of people, and frankly not just the manager who's the one. I think there's an assumption that there'll be a trouble for Matheny if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs. But if they don't make playoffs this year, it's not just Matheny that should probably be sweating in St. Louis. Will Leach, Matt native, joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS, senior writer for MLB, and he hosts the Will Leach Show. You can catch that uh, as well. Well, Will, you may have seen this this morning. Lauren, I, I don't think you did. Consider consider the stats. Over the last three seasons, only three NL starting pitchers have put together this combination. At least 60 quality starts, 42-plus wins, and an ERA of 3.26 or less, minimum 572 strikeouts, and at least 575 innings pitched Lauren I'll give you the first two names Max Max Scherzer Jake Arrieta who do you think the third guy is and I don't think you're going to get this I don't know Carlos Martinez okay and I I was surprised to see that stat he's the inconsistent he's had I was surprised to see that stat but those are pretty good numbers well I think when you say inconsistent I think your expectations are extremely high for him that's true I mean, I think that we expect him to go out and win every game. And, you know, 12 wins, 13 wins, that's about it. Been so far, he might break out this year. He's only 26 years old. I, I think the patience for him is a – those are really good numbers, Will. And I, th- I think uh, you, when you don't look at the numbers and you don't break down the numbers and you just look at he's good one start and not the next, uh, you really look at the numbers and he's just done great things starting at the age of 23. Yeah, and partly this, – this is partly the Cardinals' fault as well. They've been saying – since Martinez got here, 
how he is their future superstar. And so it's put a – remember in the 2013 World Series when he came in in the bullpen and just looked like no human could possibly hit this guy ever. He looked like a little Pedro Martinez. So you, you understand uh, some of the aspects of that. But I do think it's made us lose touch with just how good he is. And I think – Part of it, too, to be honest, I don't think his manager has done him a lot of favors. Bernie Nicholas, the aforementioned mm-hmm. Bernie Nicholas, wrote a great piece the other day about how it seems like every single time, like when when Matheny talks about other pitchers on the team, they're men and they're leaders. When he talks about Carlos Martinez, he's a hot-headed kid who gets too emotional. I think that is totally unfair way to look at Carlos Martinez. I think that I think that there's because he's a little eccentric and because he's a little emotional and sometimes he dyes his hair or does weird stuff with his hair, there's this idea that like he's not consistent or he somehow should this has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last five years, and it seems like we're never quite satisfied. On the other hand, I do understand the idea Last year was actually a little bit worse a year for him than it was than 2016 was, and he threw more innings, but he wasn't actually generally as dominant as he's been the last couple of years. You keep thinking this is going to be a Cy Young contender, right? At some point, we've kind of all thought that was coming, and it hasn't come yet. I don't think it has anything to do with his emotion or his maturity. I just think these things happen when they have to. I think a guy to think of maybe as a good analogy to very different kinds of pitchers. Matt Morris, if you remember Matt Morris from the Cardinals from years ago, he was a young pitcher that was in the system that was clearly being built up the whole time as he's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a superstar. And he came up and was really good for like six or seven years. But the entire time he kept thinking, why hasn't he won a Cy Young? He's supposed to be amazing. And you kind of didn't appreciate the greatness that was happening in front of you because you expected this higher level of brilliance. I think people should appreciate Carlos Martinez more while still – maybe hoping that he can maybe find that one last year. Well, Will, I'm going to flip-flop you over to basketball real quick because I want you, I want to get your opinion on how you think the NCAA is going to handle all this stuff coming out by the N- N- FBI, particularly uh, with, the, with the reports from ESPN and Yahoo this last week that uh, maybe there are three dozen teams that are going to be in trouble when all of this comes out, when all the uncovered emails and wiretap conversations and cell phone records and all this stuff comes out. What do you think? I think this is a big deal in the real world. I am not sure I really trust the NCAA to do any of this correctly. (laughs) It's probably the best way to put it. I think regardless of all the issues they've had through the years, I still find it impossible to, in the wake of what happened with North Carolina, or more accurately what didn't happen with North Carolina, it's really hard to take the idea of NCAA's justice uh, really all that seriously. Uh, surely there's going to be a bunch of violations. But the idea, the idea that they're violations, what I find strange about kind of the reaction to the FBI report is the reaction still seems to be, oh, I hope this doesn't affect the, our team. What's going to happen to our team? They're <laughs> going to go on probation. That coach is in trouble. When the real response is, this is what college basketball is. Now, do yes. we want to change something? Of, do we want to change this about college basketball? Or do we just want to pretend that these are some sort of rogue actors? And that's what I find strange. To me, yeah, it, certainly as a college basketball fan, as an Illini fan, I'm curious to see uh, what, just as, a, as a, almost a rubbernecking idea of uh, what, what schools get uh, uh, caught up in this and who gets named and so on. But it really does seem to miss the forest for the trees a little bit, right? The idea of, of yeah, sure, some teams are going to get busted and some teams aren't. But that the real point is this is so widespread in college basketball that, mm-hmm. that if we're not going to like look at the macro sense of the problem and understand that this is, 
like there is an imbalance in the way that money is moved around in this game. If you don't address that problem, I, the idea of, oh, this team got punished and this team didn't, I don't know, it seems relatively small beans to me. Well, I, I think the, the, the thing we have to understand is that if there is money being paid, and there definitely is, mm-hmm. it's being paid to the best and the top schools and the ones that are in this 16 list uh, that we see coming out now and the ones that we'll see in the final 16 teams in the, in the NCAA. Those are the ones being the, – the, the, the small schools are not involved in it. I mean, if they were, <laughs> they're wasting their money. I mean, <laughs> so I, I do think that – and, you know, I did a, a, some – I call it research. I look, looked up the all the winners since UCLA and Wooden won all those uh, championships, and over half of the championships have been won by coaches who at some point have either been caught cheating or have been known to have been cheaters like Wooden. I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I live down here in Georgia. I see SEC basketball all the time. You want the ultimate example of how this stuff goes down? Look at our old pal Bruce Pearl this year. Like, oh, what's going geez. on with him? The, the idea... And it's funny because there is this sense, even down here, and listen, there's, there, I'll, put it, I'll put it this way, they are more used to gambling in this establishment in the SEC than they are in the Big Ten. There, but that said, even in the context of that, what's happening with Pearl in Auburn this year, it feels like, remember the movie The 25th Hour, which was about Edward Norton, who was about to go to jail and had like one last day where he did everything that he was ever going to get to do and all the fun things to see all of his old friends before he went to jail. That's what this season feels like for Bruce Pearl and Austin. <laughs> like, like this feels like like they're having an amazing season. He's and it's a purely coaching aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly credit to be done, but he has been like he would not let he would not talk to the NCAA. He wouldn't talk to the feds. He clearly is a, doing a Selma and Louise floor it off the Grand Canyon, go out in a blaze of glory thing. And it's what's funny is. It's totally making Auburn fans happy and changing the way that people are talking about basketball. In the <laughs> Certainly. So, so for me, that, that, that is pretty telling. Ultimately, we can get so upset about all of this stuff and be so frustrated by it. But, and, and look at it, and a guy like Bruce Pearl, who is, I always joke that, like, let's say the, let's say the, the think, of, think of recruiting in basketball as like the speed limit, right? Every, the speed limit's 65. Everyone probably goes 75, and it's probably not a big deal. Pearl just goes 150, and sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes he's going to get uh, sometimes he's going to get there first, but eventually he's going to get caught. This is one of those years where he's going 150. He's going to get caught, and he's going to be punished for it. But that said, no one's looking at it that way. Instead, they're going, "Wow, look at what Bruce Pearl's doing in Auburn," because everybody ultimately just cares about wins. What is the status of Chuck Person down there? Do you know? I mean, he's, certainly, he's not coaching. The, he's not. I don't think he's coaching with the team now. They've kept him away. But like, there were players that they thought would be suspended from this team that have played, and mm-hmm. then other teams suspended. And and that, that's another part of the kind of last rodeo ride of of Pearl is a lot of coaches kept some of their best players off the team because they they thought, okay, listen, I don't want to have to like give up games later, kind of like what Notre Dame just had to do, like give up wins or North Carolina had to do. Nobody wants to do that, so they're not playing guys now. Pearl's like, forget it, I'm flooring this baby <laughs> because he's Bruce Pearl and that's what he does. And it's totally been completely successful for him. And no one, for all the talk of the FBI and how the scandal of college basketball has happened, 
that one of the biggest stories this year is the success of Auburn, and it's coached by college basketball's most notorious sleazy guy. So to me, that I think that tells you a lot about how truly offended people really are about what's going on in college basketball. U of I alum Will Leach joining us on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. I'm Michael Kaiser alongside Lauren Tate. Yeah, I, Chuck Person was obviously fired. They spent several years together on that staff, and I just have a hard time believing. Now, I, co- assistants can do a lot of things behind the head coach's back, but it's Bruce Pearl, and I just have a hard time you know, thinking that he had no idea any of this was going on. And you know, Auburn was pretty upset before the season started that he wasn't cooperating, and his job was on the line, and now you don't hear anything from officials at Auburn because they're winning a ton of games. I don't think he's going to get fired unless they get a smoking gun on him. And they're like, look at our program. How bad has Auburn been for how long? And by the way, NCAA takes a long time to do things anyway. Even yeah. if you show them what's happening, it, it takes forever. I mean, like yeah, so there was some talk that it might happen in the next month. No, it's not going to wow. happen this year. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and listen, nobody knows better about how NCAA justice works than Bruce Pearl. <laughs> he's literally been banned by the NCAA twice. So the, the idea that, that, that it, he would absolutely understand, so of course this is what he'd do. Of course he would just be like, whatever, I'll stay, I'll stay ahead of the cops as long as I can, then you'll catch me, and then you'll forget, and then someone will realize, oh, if you'll give me some wins eventually, I'll, keep, I'll, I'll let him keep coming back. I think that's, that's the issue. Is I, I, just, I feel like there's no better metaphor for the state of college basketball than a year that started with this massive scandal that was going to shake the game is ending with, Coaching of the coach of the year candidate Bruce Pearl, like, <laughs> like of course that's how it ends. That's the most the best metaphor for the sport as it currently stands. I mean, Auburn officials have to look at this and go. You just mentioned the players that are playing; they thought that might not be able to play. They they have to know in the back of their mind this whole season potentially, possibly, if any of these players are implicated in anything, this whole season is going to be deleted. I oh mean, well, who cares about? But that? yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, they don't I mean, care. No, I guess Notre Dame cares about it because you know. Yeah. But Michigan does. Michigan. The, the Fab Five doesn't care. The their Final Four. The heavens, no. They they give them. They honor them in every way they can. And Rose is still on TV. Yeah, and and Chris Webber hasn't apologized, and so Michigan won't bring him back. That they they've got to <laughs> rectify that situation. But so I guess the season North. I mean, the season still happened. Uh, Memphis still went to the Final Four with Derrick Rose. You know, I, I mean, but it's. Auburn's just enjoying this ride because Auburn hasn't been good in a while. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, you can't you can't put fans' experiences on probation. You can't retroactively uh, <laughs> make them go away. And the, the the fact is, is if Auburn were completely clean and had a coach that wasn't Bruce Pearl, they would be four and fourteen in the SEC right now, and no one would be at their games, and no one would be talking about them or care. Also, Auburn does works in the world of SEC football. The idea that basketball is going to make them sweat too much about what's going on in that is definitely another factor in it. So I think that it's kind of a perfect storm to, that uh, that Bruce Pearl would have this kind of season happening. Well, we'll see what happens with this. It's just uh, I, I've almost just kind of pushed off the the NCAA investigation, FBI investigation to the side because they dropped charges against one of the guys this week. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't know if this is ever even going to go anywhere. Uh, I'm just let's just, just move on. This is college basketball. It's how it is. And and we'll just have to see what happens. It's it's hard in the wake of North Carolina not to have that level of cynicism, to be honest. Yeah. Like, they did a fundamental fraud in the, in the idea of what college athletics is. 
like they committed the cardinal sin for like 20 years and wasn't weren't punished for it. After that, how much can you think that that these cops uh, that, that the NCAA cops are going to be able to do much of anything? Exactly. Well, what a great transition to Illinois basketball and get your thoughts on uh, this season. Uh, we got to got to have you on a post game show at some point uh, after the, some, one of these games, but. Um, not things aren't going well. A lot of close losses early in the season. Uh, four wins that they left out there, but uh, two and twelve in Big Ten play. And uh, Brad Underwood's going to miss the NCAA tournament, barring a miracle in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, the first time he will not coach in the NCAA tournament as a head coach. Yeah, you know, and I think that in retrospect, we were probably a little bit too excited about this season in the first place. But I understand why we were. You know, you the, you thought you were going to get a ton out of Mark Smith. You thought you'd get a ton out of, out of Finky. You thought that. Uh, uh, you, you you knew you were going to be small, but you thought, okay, maybe these uh, these these guards will be able to do something. Heck, maybe that Fraser kid will be, even be able to hang out, <laughs> help out a little bit. And it turned out he's one of the two guys, uh, Fraser and, and Black, are the only two people you can really count on to score at all. And listen, you can see the frustration. You guys have seen it every game. I'm watching every game. You see Underwood's frustration. <laughs> you see, and to me, what's what I find encouraging about that is. Listen, this team is still playing hard. This team is playing hard when it's difficult to see how they are, <laughs> how they'd be able to work themselves up and be able to keep it going. So I think there's credit for that. But the fact is, the way this roster is right now, there are no shot blockers underneath, and they can't shoot. And that's not going to work for a lot of teams, and it's definitely not going to work for a team that plays Underwood style. So I do think that there's something to be said for – I, I think Underwood can maybe make some of his own adjustments. I think that pressure defense, you've seen it work in the, uh, in, in, the, in the beginning of the first half, and then the other team settles down and only gets a little more tired, and then once it settles into a regular game, the other team kind of takes charge a little bit. So I think that there may be some adjustments there, but the fact is this team has no rim protectors, and they don't have very good shooters, and until they fix those problems, this is going to be a problem really whatever the system is. Well, and finding a big man, uh, it's, it's not as easy as just going out there and, and plucking it off the tree. I mean, there's just there's just not a wealth of them out there. All the all the good teams want the best big men, and there's just not a, a long list of them available. Yeah, and, 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 and it's funny, too, because we're seeing this with football, right? Like, there's an argument to be made to recruits. Hey, come here. This is a great school. We've got a great coach. Lovey Smith is great. We love Underwood. There's arguments to be made that you can do that, but you have to be able to show them that what you're doing works. And for me, the discouraging, the, the, to me, I, I feel like, obviously, I wish Illinois weren't in last place and there's been some frustrating losses. I still feel like this is, I feel like this is still a kind of fun team to watch sometime when, when things are clicking and things are working. They're actually pretty fun to watch until the inevitable 13-minute field goal drought happens. Oh. Until that happens, there are times where they are fun. To me, the larger the thing that worries me more about that, look at Ohio State this year. Like They were supposed to have another transit. They were, they were supposed to be around where Illinois was in the Big Ten. Like Not a lot of time. Obviously, Katie Bates, the outfit can be hugely forward, has made a big difference for them. But when you look at that team, how is that team in the top 15 in the country? <laughs> the top 10 in the country. They look like they have Diop and a bunch of guys that kind of help out. But Holtz has clearly been able to do something there that Underwood has not been able to un- unlock. Maybe that's the roster. Maybe the specific construction of the roster. But I'll put it this way. Right now, it's very easy to look at Illinois and be like, oh, well, they need shooters and a defensive rim presence. But we knew that before the year. Mm-hmm. We just looked positively on, okay, this is all going to click and it's going to work. And now we know it's maybe going to be a little longer haul than you think. And the problem is there was this understanding this was going to get turned around quick, right? That was one of the first things we all talked about Underwood when he got hired. He's never missed the tournament. This is gonna, maybe he's not going to make it, but it's going to be close. I don't, as, as, as frustrating as, 
as much as we knew there'd be a transition, I don't think anybody thought this team was going to be two and twelve, <laughs> and that going into and looking looking at last place in the Big Ten. So it's a long way to go. It'd be not, but also we didn't expect Mark Smith. We thought Mark Smith was going to be the star of this team, and he looks scared of the basketball. And so, and so that's another issue too. It could be an Underwood thing too. There's a lot of issues to be resolved. I still feel like things are. There had to be a change, and I feel like Underwood is the right guy. It's just going to take a little longer than we thought. And unfortunately, I think Illinois fans are getting a little tired of waiting on everything. Well, not only do they need shooters and a post presence defensively, they've got to have a guy who can get his own shot and get to the rim at will and like Kate Bates Diap. And until Illinois gets a player like that, it, it still ain't going to matter. they got two of them coming. Yeah, they suppose. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. All right, let's go to the phones. Got a quick phone call. Our good friend uh, Marty in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Marty, good morning. Morning, Michael. Morning, Lauren. Morning, Will. How are you guys doing? Good. Very well. Um, an aside, my former brother-in-law's father-in-law was in Auburn, not just alum, but a major donor. I spent some time with him. Uh, his thing is, uh, I'm giving a lot of money. I expect them to win. I don't care what they got to do to win. They weren't concerned about cheating at all uh, down there. And as he said, SEC stands for surely everyone cheats. So just an observation. They didn't they they don't care about NCA at all. Will I I, I think I when they hired uh, I think when they hired Pearl they, they announced that, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean it, it, he he made no bones about it. It's they, they give a lot of money and they expect to win. They don't care what the ramifications are. Question for you, Will, back to baseball. Yes. Um the Arizona Diamondbacks are dying to get J.D. Martinez to come back. But they have a problem in that they gave way too much money to Zach Greinke. Why wouldn't the Cardinals explore paying part of Greinke's salary and throwing a couple of players in so that Arizona can sign Martinez and bring Greinke to the Cardinals? Interesting question. I, 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 I understand that idea, and I, I get it. I think that... It's the same as just going to come for the Cardinals all the time. They're going to be wary of committing long-term dollars to any pitcher, let alone one that's come from outside the organization, and one that is, frankly, already in his early to mid-30s. Like, you know, Zane Granger is not, but... is, is not a young guy. I, I agree. I understand the idea, but it's, it seems outside of the way they It is outside their box, but the, the thing I think is that Grinky ages well. He already knows how to pitch. It's not a long-term contract anymore because he's – already mm -hmm. been at Arizona for a while, so they're not making as long-term a commitment, and they wouldn't have as long-term a salary if they negotiate well with Arizona. It's just a an outside-the-box thought I had. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I think that, I'll put it this way, if the Cardinals do make a big move, they are the thing that they're really good at doing, with the exception of Ozuna this year, are coming up with deals that nobody saw coming. Remember, nobody's yeah. really, nobody saw the Jason Hayward trade coming at all. In fact, no. I always loved no. that with all the talk of all the Ken Rosenthal. And I love Ken Rosenthal. And all these guys, like all these scoop guys trying to come up with a – all fighting each other for trade scoops. That trade was announced by the Cardinals' official Twitter account when it happened. <laughs> like nobody had any idea what was yeah. happening. So the, the Cardinals are really good Still. about ke of keeping Still. quiet on stuff. Yeah, they're very, yep. they're very good about that. And so I feel like whatever – if they do have something up their sleeve, we it's something we probably have not thought of yet. And so maybe it's a Granky-type thing, but certainly – Well, here's uh, the latter I, question. Is it better, yeah. to get, better to get another piece of the rotation or another bat? I think right now – I think right now you want a piece of – I would want a piece of rotation just because you don't know good. exactly good. what I you're getting from Walker. 
And by Good. mid-season, we might feel differently about that. If the Cardinals are in the race and it's close, and we feel like the rotation is at least a little stable, then you can maybe push for a Donaldson or a Machado, who I think yeah. would fit in so yeah. nice for that lineup. But before the yes, season, would. kind of want the certainty of those games. Although I think Jerko's a lot better player than people think he is. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. I, and the only fear with Jerko is that you see when he plays every day, he loses yeah. a little bit of effectiveness. But frankly, one nice thing about the Cardinals is you have someone like you have Garcia who can play third. You have Jose Martinez who had a terrific year last year, and no one even really talks about being the Cardinals. If you now, I think it's up for question whether Matheny is the sort of manager that's shown to have the flexibility to move guys around like that. But there is flexibility to like give guys days gotcha. off and kind of maximize their their effectiveness. And right. by the way, Will, I love listening to you when you're on MLB or any other time. Uh... You do a great job, and it's glad to see another guy from Central Illinois do well. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. I'm uh, I make it home as as often as often as Matt Tune will let me. <laughs> well, I love it when you're on this show. I listen religiously every Saturday uh, when I when I my eyes allow me to get on the internet and view it. So anyway, I know you guys are busy, but thanks for taking my call, and you guys make it a great day. Lauren, don't work too hard. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> thanks, Marty. All right, have a good weekend. See you later. Yep. Uh, Will, we got a, a caller a question. Uh, he asked if you keep up with the Illini Hockey Club. I guess you covered them, the, covered them when you were here in school. Yeah, I covered the actually the Illinois hockey team. There's an Illini hockey team and an Illinois hockey team. I covered the Illinois hockey team. So, well, I, I was they were the scrappy underdogs fighting for face uh, face time with the Illini hockey team. But yeah, you know, I, uh, I I know that there was discussion. You guys would probably know more uh, more updates on the idea of like, what well, is this going to be a hockey team? I know there's been some talks from from uh, women about that. Uh, I I have always thought that. Hockey in Champaign and hockey in Illinois could make a logical fit. I know there's Title IX issues. I know there's some other things going on. But certainly I've always felt like, particularly with what's going on in downtown Champaign, there's a potential market for it. I love the Illini hockey team now. I have to say, from afar, it is sometimes difficult to watch teams that aren't university-based. Club teams are difficult to keep it on. When you're not in town, they're hard to watch. So when I was there, I always loved being a part of that. Well, Will, great stuff as always. Uh, when are you coming back to town? I'll be back uh, while well, my sister's getting married this summer, so I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back uh, causing some trouble before then. And of course, I always got to get back for for a Cardinal series. And I think this next year will be the fifth year in a row that I will make it back for an Illinois football game. I think they're zero and four in those games, so I apologize <laughs> in advance. So I think it's. I think we can all agree it's not my fault. So, <laughs> uh, no. we'll, we'll come by. And, well, I'd love to chat with you guys then. Yeah, come on. You haven't been to the new studios in downtown Champaign, the News Gazette Media Center. It's a big, spacious, great lighting. So we'll have you in the new digs when you come in town. It'd be, it'd be my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. We'll have a great weekend. Yep. Will Leach, a Mattoon native, ULI alum, a Deadspin founder, now writes for MLB.com as his own show, The Will Leach Show. Give him a follow on Twitter at William F. Leach. We're going to. Uh, Come back here with Illinois baseball. We're going to talk to Brett Moore. Uh, he's assistant athletic director for the University of Illinois. Uh, get the latest of what's going on with Illinois baseball. Again, if you're just joining us, they were supposed to play at 11 o'clock this morning down in St. Louis. And if you hadn't heard even before that, they're supposed to play in Texas this weekend. But the flight got canceled on Thursday due to weather in Chicago. Uh, so the Illini did not make it down to Texas. Not going to play at 11 o'clock this morning because it's snowing in St. Louis and other issues weather-wise down there. Brett Moore will break it down for us with the latest. And, uh, Lauren, before we uh, take a break, what did you get uh, Michael Jordan for his 55th birthday, double nickel? Gee, I haven't gotten him anything yet. Send him a card or anything? 
Yeah, I'm sure he. I'm probably he probably wouldn't even open the mail. I give him. A, I send him a few chips for Las Vegas. Yeah. How's that? It's it's yeah yeah. It's hard to believe he's 55. I, I didn't think about that. I mean he's. I mean obviously he's he's been out away from the game for a long time. But Michael Jordan, 55 years old today. Coming up next, Brett Moore from the University of Illinois is with the baseball team and find out what's going on. Will Illinois play today? That's coming up next here on DWS. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Michael Kaiser, Lauren Tate with you once again this Saturday, 30 degrees at 948. Joining us now from down in St. Louis, Brett Moore, Assistant Director of Athletics here at the University of Illinois for Communication. Uh, Brett, my first question for you, oh, good morning, but my first question for you is, what, what did you originally pack in your suitcase when you were supposed <laughs> to go to Texas? And I'm, I'm sure you just threw all of it out into your room and repacked. Yeah, we had to do the the repack. We were supposed to go to Texas on Thursday, Thursday afternoon. We were supposed to drive up to Chicago, and then fly down to Texas, uh, where it was supposed to be about sixty or seventy degrees oh. this weekend. Um, but the fog at Midway uh, canceled those plans. We weren't able to get out, and uh, we scrambled to get some games uh, down here in St. Louis, where it's currently snowing pretty heavily. Was there any chance that you could fly out Friday morning to Texas? Obviously, it would make it a pretty quick turnaround to fly down there and get off the plane and go play a game of baseball, but was there any chance that that was a possibility? Yeah, that was. Uh, we probably weren't going to get out until uh, late morning, middle of the day Friday, and that wouldn't get us down to Beaumont, uh, Texas, at Lamar, where we were supposed to play until Friday, maybe 5 or 6 at night. Oh. Uh, and then we probably weren't going to be able to get a game on Friday, and they were calling for rain on Saturday in Beaumont. Uh, they had actually already canceled Saturday's games, uh, so we weren't going to go down there just to play one game on Sunday. Uh, so that made that decision pretty easy. Yep. Well, you mentioned it's snowing uh, pretty good down there in St. Louis right now. The game was originally supposed to start at 11 o'clock. What is the latest? Uh, are are the Illini going to play today? Is it going to be in flux with the, with, with the snow? What's, what's going on with that situation? Oh, I wish I had an answer for you. Uh, we're just kind of hanging out in the hotel right now watching it snow. Uh, obviously not going to go anywhere to take BP in the in the snow and the cold that it is now. It does look like there's a window in the afternoon. Uh, we're only playing one game today, but there is another game. It's a doubleheader uh, for South Dakota State. So it's kind of to be determined who's going to play and when and if anybody's going to play. But we're hanging out now and just kind of waiting for it to pass. Well, I'd like to know a little bit about the team uh, since uh, they may play today. Uh, Weber's still scheduled to pitch, is he? Yep, Weber will still pitch. We'll still stick with the original uh, one, two, three rotation. Uh, Ty Weber, sophomore, who had a bunch of weekend starts last year, will be uh, in that eighth spot this year, at least to start of the year, um, including today. Tell me what the infield looks like. Uh, infield is really strong up the middle. We have uh, sophomores Michael Massey and Ben Troike returning at shortstop and uh, second base, respectively. They're second in the nation in double plays per game last year. Really good defensively. Massey's going to hit in the middle of the lineup. Uh, first and third is a little bit of a question mark uh, because of the guys that we lost at those positions. Uh, most likely it'll be Bryn Spillane at one of those spots, a uh, big power hitter. He'll probably hit in fourth or fifth uh, this weekend. And then we got a host of guys battling out for those other uh, that other corner infield spot. A couple well, transfers. Well, well, can can Spillane play first, uh, third base? I mean, I know he can play first, but yeah. Do you, where yeah, would he, he actually started uh, opening day at third base his freshman year? Okay. Uh, 
ended up not playing much mm-hmm. there. But he can't that, play That was the year he, had, he got beaned, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He had an issue, a head issue, so he wasn't able to play uh, many games. Kind of got cut short. Uh, but we hope he can play over there at third. That would be ideal. Then who does that? Who does play first? Is Dodge in a contender at first base? Yep, Dodge is a contender. He DH'd last year. Uh, Ryan Haas, redshirt junior, hasn't seen much time uh, because McInerney has been there for so long. Mm-hmm. He's got a chance. Um, and then uh, Mahalik, a transfer kid, he's got a chance to play over there too. Okay. Well, I just. Uh... I know the outfield's pretty well set, and uh, tell us a little bit about Taylor, the the new guy that transferred from Houston. I understand he's a he's considered a a, po- a potential draft pick this year. Yeah, Zach Taylor uh, played a bunch of games, started almost 80 games his freshman and sophomore years at Houston. He's a Downers Grove native, Chicago kid, uh, transferred back up here towards home last year. Had to sit out last year because of NCAA transfer rules. Uh, but he can play this year. He's probably going to lead off for a speedy kid at 30-something steals in two years down there in Houston. They play real good baseball at Houston. They've been to a couple of regionals the last few years. So we're looking for a lot of a lot of things out of him. Got some power, too. And D1Baseball.com projected him as a top-10 round draft pick this year. Yeah, well, that, that means that uh, with, with uh, Yellowitz out and right and Turchin in center, that's about as good outfield as you're going to have at Illinois, isn't it? Yeah. And Taylor will actually probably play center field and push Turchin over to left. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and it'll be uh, – I think it should be the best outfield in the Big Ten uh, if they produce like they have the last few years. Obviously, uh, they need to repeat that, which is not the easiest thing to do, but a lot of talent out there. Well, Brett, we're going to – we have this on tape. So, Brett, Brett Moore, you heard it here first. <laughs> best outfield in the Big Ten here in 2018. <laughs> Uh, we'll, I we'll, said I think they should. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I had to remove that word from it because it's not as strong then. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brett Moore from the University of Illinois, uh, Assistant Director of Athletics uh, and Communication with the Illinois baseball team down in St. Louis today waiting for the snow to stop to see if the Illini will get their first game in in the 2018 season. Went 23-28 and 28 last year. Uh, pitching was a struggle. You know, Lauren mentioned losing a couple pitchers uh, this year for one reason or another. Where do you see the overall pitching staff and trying to turn uh, things around from last year? Well, the good news is we got a lot of guys back from last year. Uh, the bad news is we didn't throw many strikes last year, and that was obviously the problem. You just got to look at the stat sheet to see that. We walked away too many guys. Um, but we got a lot of talent, and we got some transfers. Uh, kid from Louisville, Sean Leland, was a freshman All-American. He had to sit out last year. Same deal as Taylor, transferred back near home. He's a Chicago kid. Uh, had to sit out for NCAA transfer rules. And then uh, Andy Fisher, who actually is going to be our number two starter to start the year, he transferred from Eastern, had to set out last year. So we got some help, got some veteran help, and we got all those freshmen that threw last year are sophomores now. So you just hope they make a, a big jump from freshman to sophomore year. Well, Brett, uh, one more time, people who might have just tuned in, uh, what's the latest with the situation um, and, and the chances of playing a game today? Well, we like the chances to play a game, but as long as it keeps snowing, we're not going to go anywhere. So currently just watching it snow in St. Louis. Uh, Coach Hartlib's on the phone with the coaches probably right now trying to get things figured out. But there's really not much we can do until it stops snowing and uh, gets a little drier around here in St. Louis. Is the, Are the prospects for t- tomorrow looking a, a lot better? Yeah, tomorrow looks great. Uh, in the 50s, nice weather. Uh, so should be able to get a couple games in tomorrow. 
Well, Brett, thanks so much for the update. Uh, keep us posted. Uh, we're on until 11 this morning, which was a change uh, from the original plan of about 1040 or so. So if anything changes in the next hour or so, please let us know. Yeah, I'll send something your way. Sounds good. That is uh, Brett Moore, uh, Communications Assistant Athletic Director at the University of Illinois, uh, down with the Illinois baseball team. It's just it's unfortunate that uh, weather has prevented them from playing in Texas, and it's preventing them from playing down in St. Louis. So, And you know what? We'll, we'll get into the season, and it'll prevent us from playing in Champaign. Yep. That's rain. the problem with spring baseball. It is. It's just in this, Especially in this area. Yeah, it's just, uh, it just drives you mad. Yeah, and you, I mean, you obviously can't push the season, the start of the season much later, but starting in mid-February, obviously. Well, the, the season is set up by the playoffs, yeah. you know, and, and the playoffs are, are established by teams in the South <laughs> that don't worry about any of this stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if baseball was meant to be played in the summer. I mean, that's a fact. Yeah, it, oh, yeah, that's absolutely no question about it. Well, uh, we'll have, hope to have some updates this morning. Uh, Brad Underwood's supposed to have his news conference uh, previewing the game tomorrow against Nebraska, Friday line game day with myself. And Lauren Tate gets underway at 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, tip off at 2.30. Now, uh, Lauren, stick with me here. Here's the schedule for tomorrow. We have like, a lot of – if Illinois baseball plays tomorrow, uh, we have Illinois women's basketball and Illinois men's basketball. So we'll air the pregame show on Friday line game day beginning at 1 o'clock here on DWS and our sister station Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. We'll break away at 1.45 for women's basketball, air that game in its entirety only on DWS. HMS will stay with men's basketball and then we'll rejoin after women's basketball and have game, the basketball game will be, the men's game will be on both stations. Baseball will be internet only tomorrow. That's fightingalani.com, not our website, fightingalani.com. So a lot going on at the same time tomorrow. So, uh, Lauren, I hope you got all that straight there. Uh, but the and see what uh, if we can get some games in. Dan Hartlib would love to get his baseball season underway. Give us your thoughts this morning on Illini basketball, Illini baseball, or more. Three five six nine three nine seven. Texas on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line three five one five three five seven. Also send us an email this morning. Talk at wdws.com. Stay with us. We'll come up a more Illini basketball conversation. And it's a big weekend for Illini football as well. All that here on DWS. Well, I, I love the start, and again, that's something that uh, you know we work really hard at, at kind of scripting what we want to do and and uh, uh, preparing for a game. And we got off to a we got off to a really good start, and and uh, um, you know that's something that uh, has, has has kind of been a common theme. Uh, a late, uh, we got offensively, we got going, and then it's uh, uh, it's that drought again. And uh, I w I wish dribbling didn't exist. Uh, in the game of basketball because it, it really, really hurts our team. And uh, uh, we get just overhandling it, dribble, 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 dribble. And, and, and when you dribble, you don't force the defense to have to move. And, and uh, you know, we got uh, a couple quick shots. And, and uh, uh, that you know, during that stretch, and it's happened in every game, Brian, as you know. And, um, you know, then we fall down 10. And, and then I loved our fight the second half. And, um, you know, this is uh, – uh, this, uh, this was a growth game from that standpoint. We fought. We came back. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. I'm Michael Kaiser. He's Lauren Tate. 30 degrees at 10.02. Brad Underwood, after the loss the other night to Indiana, 78-68 to, to fall to 2-12 in the Big Ten. The Illini continuing to continue to struggle, but they did fight back in that game after an 18-2 run in a more than six-minute drought, which has been the theme almost every game this season long, scoring droughts. 
Uh, my favorite part of that uh, soundbite there, Lauren, was I wish uh, dribbling wasn't allowed in basketball. That I got I got a, I did, I got a chuckle out of that one. I, I get what he's saying. I mean, with the with the way this current team is and the way they're playing and too much dribbling, he wants to take it away from them. Well, it's the not way, helping the offense in the, any way. The way the team will be built next year, if uh, if uh, Courtney Ramey comes, uh, and if uh, of course Desumu, uh, along with Frazier, I think you've got a three-guard lineup in which dribbling will be huge because they're extremely good dribblers. I mean, I don't know how you're going to stop Ramey from getting in the lane at least because he, he is an ambidextrous guy. He's, he's rangy. He's quick. He's got a good shot. It looks to me like he can score at every level. And I don't know if Desumu is going to be a long-range shooter. I don't know that part. But I do know that anybody that goes out and gets 60 and 50 points in a game and has got to be awfully good off the dribble, and he is awfully good off the dribble. And the only time I saw him play, I, he was hurt. So I don't really know. I don't know enough about him. But, uh, boy, I saw Ramey the other night, and he was sensational. Well, and Io in his first game back from that injury where he actually – because he sat out several games. You, mm -hmm. you saw him play. He tried to play through it. didn't work out, so he sat out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And his actual first game back where he was, was healthy, he scored 42 points and almost mm -hmm. had a triple-double and – uh, but well, Courtney Ramey, you and I were exchanging texts during that game the other night. Well, all uh, you need to know is he shot 22 free throws in one game against Fashan in a game he lost. Fashan is really good, and Webster Groves is really good too. But it was a, it was a tremendous game, and he did have a three-point shot right at the end to tie the game. About a, it was about five feet beyond the arc and under pressure, and he didn't make it. But... Um, I just don't know when I've seen a guy shoot 22 free throws in a game. Have you? It's happened, I'm sure, but I mean, I, but it's for a high school kid to shoot 22 free throws in a game. That's a you lot. You know why he shot 22? They couldn't guard him. Well, yeah, this, the only option was to foul him. It sounds like. I mean, I wasn't there. Yeah, I, he so. was. He, he'd get around and go to the hoop and and contact all over the place, and he didn't make a lot of shots when he went in. But uh, you know, he went to the free throw line, and he, um, as I said, he made 17 out of 22. So. That's uh, he, he's a player, and right now it doesn't appear with St. Louis in so much trouble, you know. And Jordan Goodwin's been kicked out of school, and mm -hmm. maybe he'll be back next year. Who knows? They say right now is going to, but let me ask you. That's, sure that's, I want to focus on that for just two seconds here. Have you ever seen a guy kicked out of school for an entire semester and then returned to the team? Well, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not saying has it ever happened, but have you? I, I just I look at that situation and go, look, he was found not guilty, but he violated school policy. The, apparently, they, they by the school investigation. I don't think there was any ever any criminal charges, but um, so he wasn't in a court system, a, a not guilty thing. They didn't find that he actually did that, but he violated school policy. Well, what was he filming the people that did? I have no yeah. idea. I, I don't know <laughs> the exact details. In I any case, studied. he's in a bunch of trouble. Yeah. But he, whether he'll be back, I don't know. But what It'll my, leave my, my my point was that. St. Louis is, is not involved in, in Courtney Ramey. Missouri is not involved because he's told them no. And the only schools that I – there's no local area school involved with him other than Illinois since, he, of course, you know that uh, he made a deal with, with uh, originally with Patino. And when Patino was fired, he uh, decommitted from Louisville. And now Illinois is in the, in the driver's seat now. Does that mean that Oklahoma State might come in? Sure, or one of the Arizona schools? We don't. We don't know. I mean, there's, there's some. And this is a great player. He's an excellent player. I mean, he's 
He was he averaged 20 points a game last year as a junior on a state championship team for Webster Groves in, in Missouri. So this is a guy that uh, is a key to and, – and he said, and this is his words, these are not – I'm not getting this directly from Underwood, but he said that Underwood said, told him, he says, you have the keys to the car if you come. Wow. What kind of car is it going to be? That's what I want to know. Is it going to be a <laughs> Corvette or we're watching right now? He's ranked 40th in the country. He's the ninth-ranked point guard a point guard in the country, number one guard in Missouri. And, you know, they, the crystal ball predictions haven't been updated in, in some time uh, for him. So he's got a lot of offers out there, Oklahoma State, Texas, and some other schools. Now, he was originally committed to Louisville, and that whole mess happened there with Rick Pitino, and that's why he decommitted from there. Um, that Even when he decommitted from there, I, I didn't I didn't really think about him that much. Uh, but Illinois needs players, and they need a lot of players. And – Outside of Trent Frazier and LaRon Black, in terms of guys who played a lot this year and contributed, the rest of the guys who have played a lot this year, I'm just – Well, he's the number one guy now Yeah, for Illinois. And Underwood and Walker were both there at the game uh, two nights ago, and, and uh, they, uh, they're pulling out all stops to bring him in. And, and uh, he's key right now uh, because he's an entirely different player from – uh, Mark Smith, in that he is a driving, he's just a driving fool. He just he just goes, goes, goes for the basket, and and uh, he's a lot quicker, and he's got a lot more uh, jumping ability. I mean, he's an athlete. He is is a top player. And that word, there's very little of that on that roster. This roster, yeah, right well, now. The, athletes. I mean, Underwood looked out on the court, and and uh, I'm sure he wondered, and I know he wondered <laughs> if. Uh, the two teams on the court were more athletic than Illinois. And that's very possible. Vashon is really good, by the way. And they've got a, a player named McKinney who is just electric. He's a junior, a left-handed junior. And he was the reason. There were a number of coaches there. Uh, uh, Jankovic, Jankovic was there from SMU. Uh, uh, Conzo Martin was there. But Conzo's there for McKinney. Mm-hmm. Cause, because uh, – and he may have the driver's seat on McKinney, and he is really good, but he's a junior. Now, I say he's really good. He's really athletic. He's not a perfect basketball player, but is he explosive? He's a guard, and I don't know how good his outside shot is, but he's like, uh, he's a little like Ramey. He can get to the hoop. Still uh, no reports from uh, Brad Underwood's uh, news conference this morning. He always has one the day before a game. was scheduled at 9.45 this morning, yet to see any reports uh, from that game, obviously waiting to see what the uh, how Michael Finke is doing with his concussion protocol process to see if he's getting any better there and uh, to see uh, how DeMonte Williams' hyperextended knee is doing and see if he'll be playing tomorrow. The Illini again take on Nebraska at 2.30 tomorrow afternoon over at State Farm Center. It's senior day. It's not the last home game, but it is senior day, so get out and honor um, Mark Allstork and Clayton Jones, a very small senior roster for the Illini this year, uh, which is good. Well, uh, another another issue uh, sh- besides shooting, we talked about this with Will. Uh, you, you, they need better guard play. They need better shooting. Uh, you're not going to win games without shooting. Um, but a post player, and that's proving difficult to find right now. Uh, Austin Trice was offered this week, um, but Illinois has he's not committed to Illinois. So I don't know how that's going to play out. He's he plays at a junior college, Division One junior college. Twelve points, twelve boards. Seems very energetic very athletic they're they're just I, do, I think they're holding off on him yep i think he wants to come i know that illinois has offered him however there are offers and then there are offers 
And uh, I think they're waiting to see what happens on, on several other fronts. I think they feel like they're going to get Trevian Jones out of California, but that's, you know, he's uh, involved with other schools in Arizona and, and elsewhere. And uh, I think that uh, Trice is, is a good player, but he doesn't, he's not a shooter. In fact, he's definitely not a shooter. Yeah. And I don't know if they want any more non-shooters on this team. There are too many of them right now. When I when Trent Frazier is not on the floor and you've got a lineup of DeMonte Williams and um, Tijon Lucas and Mark Smith or Mark Allstork, any number of those guys, and I'm going, no wonder you're going to have a scoring drought coming up unless you get the ball to LaRon Black. Let's say he's even off the floor with foul trouble. You've got no chance to score with that lineup unless they get a layup, which they struggle to do. They miss a lot of layups. Um, so there's a lot of guys on this roster who are getting significant minutes who are not scoring. And when Trent Frazier has an off night and LaRon Black gets in foul trouble or they're not getting the ball to LaRon, which Brad has talked about has happened many times in several games, they just that's that's why they're having these scoring drafts. I mean, it's well. The, the biggest concern right now is the fact that they, they don't have a big man and they don't have a big man in sight. And uh, as of now, they're not aware of anyone that they could get, that they have any chance of getting. This could change when the fifth-year seniors become eligible to transfer. When we have that kind of free agency there for a while, and uh, I don't, I don't know that uh, Illinois is going to be able to do anything about their center situation. It just that may be the, may, they may be without that uh, rim defender again next year. And, and as I said to Will, that you know, post players who are good defensively and who could help you on the offensive end are really hard to find, and the best schools are coming after all the ones that are available and you're left if you don't get one of those guys you're left with what you're left with and uh, fans have been clamoring for it and clamoring for it but i can tell you that brad underwood and the staff they they're not if they don't get one it's not because they didn't try and, and it's just the first thing you have to do when you try is find out what they want <laughs> and and uh, what they find out is that the the big schools get those players because they have the ability through Adidas or through somebody, uh, through their alumni, through uh, to take care of the families. And, and what we're seeing is massive cheating across the land in, in basketball, and they're just now starting to really make it apparent. And I, this is something I've known for several years. I've, I'm familiar with. I, I saw a player in the, in the Big Ten, uh, a star player just this week, and, and uh, Illinois made him an offer, but they couldn't even compete. Mm -hmm. This was two years ago. And Gross's problem was, uh, you know, you can say it's a problem. I just don't think he was willing, you know, he wasn't going to do, he wasn't going to go out of the way to to, uh, to land somebody if he couldn't do it honestly. And boy, listen, if you're doing things honest in the, in, in, in the NCAA these days, you are a minority. Yeah, you are. And you're not a minority. You're not going to be in the top 20. That's, let's put it that way. You're not going to make uh, the Final Four very often. It's going to be hard to make a deep postseason I mean, run because you're not going to get the players. It just couldn't be any more clear that what the FBI is saying here. It couldn't be more clear. It couldn't, you know, it's it's obvious what is happening. And this is something that uh, you, Illinois has to know. First of all, is it is are we on a level playing field when they go out to get a, a big man? And the level playing field means that there's no monkey business. Well, we know what happened with Jeremiah Tillman. Well, I mean, we know that that wasn't you know, on the up and up there either. I mean, that's just – he would be here and he'd be a good defensive player if he'd stay out of foul trouble, which he isn't doing as much over at Missouri. But um, it's just – you've been saying this 
as you just said, for years, and fans get on coaches when they don't get guys like Cliff Alexander and they don't get other guys that, you know, when Gross missed on his top targets. And I don't know if anything happened with Jalen Brunson, but, you know, he's doing great at Villanova and great for him. But, you know, John Gross missed on a lot of players. I don't know. We don't know all the real reasons why he missed on all those players. Is, is it because they didn't offer enough on the side? Is it because he, the kid just didn't want to come here? It's Fans just need to realize it's not all about – you know, the coach is failing to get a recruit. Sometimes the coaches just don't want to play the game. Well, that's right. And when you don't play the game, you lose the recruits. And But those coaches that don't play the game could sleep a little bit better at night. Well, some of the schools are just better organized than Illinois is. Yeah. And they're organized through their alumni. I know which one school alumni. you're referencing. <laughs> organized through their alumni, and they, and they have, you know, groups of people that just make sure that the that players are, quote, taken care of. Uh, let's go to the Castle Heat and Cooling text line. Got a phone t- phone call to get to as well. Bill text in, once heard Judd Heathcote say after a bad season, quote, the good news is we have everyone back. The bad news is we have everyone back. And that's uh, – Judd's not the only one that said no, that. No, but everybody – I was going to say I've heard that, you know, many times. And uh, we'll have to see what happens to this roster in the offseason. From the uh, 785 area code, excited about Ramey. Do you also see some current players transferring out to make room for some more bigs? Um, as far as the latter part of that sentence, uh, make room for bigs if they are able to find any. Uh, the first part of that sentence, uh, yes, I see current players transferring out. I don't know who, and I'm not going to speculate. It's just not worth it because a lot of things, like, for instance, this past off the offseason, nothing against Aaron Jordan in any way whatsoever, but I didn't think he'd be one of the guys that were back, and he's back and had a good start to the season, but he's not played well in Big Ten play in terms of shooting. Well, they'd had al- already had two players that were coming back transfer, and they just felt like they couldn't have allow this. They needed to keep the third. I mean, yeah. they, that that was part of their thinking. And the other was that he wants to graduate this year. He'll probably transfer after this year to another school, I would think, uh, because he'll be a fifth-year guy with, with a degree, and he'll be valuable at uh, more valuable somewhere else. I mean, it's pretty obvious, as I said, if with DeSumo and, and if uh, Ramey comes in, the backcourt is set. Yeah. Oh yeah, if they get Ramey, Desumu, and Frazier, then and I, I mean, know Jordan is basically a wing, but they're going to be playing three guards next year. It looks to me like. Oh, I, I can't see any other way. I'd be fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, look, Illinois won, won that way in 2005. Villanova won the national championship a couple of years ago, playing a bunch of guards, and that's the way the college game is right now. You got to get to defend the rim, and you got to have shooters. And if you have a, a three guard lineup, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, so let's go with the phones here. Alan joins us. Alan, good morning. How are you? Morning, guys. Uh, this is the first I've heard about this uh, Ramey kid, another guard, which, you know, if he's that good, that's fine. Lauren, we don't have to have a seven-footer to, to play on this team. I mean, if you can get a good 6'8 to 6'10 guy that can move a little bit and do everything, that would help a bunch. I mean. Well, they understand uh, that, and, they, and they'd like to do that. That's what, well, they, that's what they want to do. They, they just don't have anybody in mind right now. I just find it hard to believe you can't find somebody like that all over the country or out of states or whatever. But what? Okay. Well, most of the kids are signed already, you know. Well, yeah. They got to be good enough to uh, play in the Big Ten, if, Alan. If I mean, you, you're not going to just take a body. That's the that's what Brad's trying that. to avoid doing. I don't, I, I don't want just a body. I want somebody you're pretty sure can do it. Well, we of course you want that. that. They want that too. Time. And that's why they can't find one right now. Now, the, the fifth-year transfer market, another thing is that we need to mention, and we didn't mention this a few minutes ago, uh, Alan, is that if a rule is approved this year, um, 
where if a coach leaves or is fired, the player can transfer and play immediately. That opens up so many different doors that right now are not open uh, for next year's roster for but Illinois. That, if that rule gets passed. Well, that, they're not going to decide that till June, and I don't think they'll be retroactive with it. If you make a decision in That's June true. based on what happened in in March, I don't think they'll I don't think they'll do that. I, I think they'll wait till the following year. That's my opinion. I mean, that's the way the NCAA normally operates. Yeah. Now, I've heard yeah. that there's a possibility of that, but I just can't believe that they would do something that sudden and all of a sudden look up in July and say, "Okay, everybody that uh, was on a team that changed coach back in March can now transfer." I don't think they'll do that. Yeah, because no. that new coach in there is not going to want that to happen. And so that's I, not I, going to happen next year. Well, the coaches don't have a heck of a lot to say about it, by the way. This is not a coach's decision. No, no, I, I don't. I know, but I, I don't think if, if a brand new coach gets hired in on March twentieth, like Brad was uh, this this past uh, spring, I don't think Brad wants to find out three months later there's a new rule that's going to allow half his team to leave. And I, I think he'd rather like, okay, this is our team now. This is June. You know, let's then we're not going to change what my well, roster. We're talking about. Uh, when coaches yeah but move. if i'm talking about when brad was hired here yeah, john yeah, gross right. was fired well, and so if they what, you, what you've got in, in june is a 38 person committee of ad's and officials who sit down as the division one council and make a decision on what to do about a recommendation they have received relative to these transfers possibilities they are not gonna i just tell you they're my oh, every, every sense tells me that they are not going to be retroactive yeah. with it they might say that after next year we l allow this. They might say that, but I don't think they'll say That's that. That's what will make the most sense. What else you got for hey, us, Alan? One more, one more thing. Uh, my original question was I was going to talk about Iowa a little bit, and now you brought up this Ramey kid. About Iowa and maybe Ramey, are these guys going to be closer to Trey Young or are they going to be closer to Mark Smith? Well, they No one are, saw Trey Young to be like They are – they are an incredibly uh, efficient at driving the basketball. Uh, Ramey brought the ball up left-handed most of the time. He's right-handed. He can go either way, and he is electric with that. So is Desumu. But I don't know about Desumu's ability to shoot from out. And I would think immediately the first thing that comes to my mind is everybody's going to be zoning Illinois next year. Because if you have put those three guards out there, if they're not really efficient from the three-point line, you've got to prevent them from driving. And I don't. And you, you've got three guys that I don't think the other team can come up with three defenders that can guard all three of them. I mean, uh, off the bounce, they are really something. I mean, different, even even different than uh, Frazier. These are leaner, longer uh, guys with with uh, incredible speed. And, and well, maybe if they zone a lot, maybe that'll help Aaron Jordan, Jordan get a shot off a little better. Well, I don't think that. <laughs> it, 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 it's really that. simple what you do with Aaron Jordan. You just put a guy on him, and you don't. Well, I understand that. But if it's a zone, it won't be that easy. But you're asking. Well, that. it's been pretty easy for the last half of the season. Teams have been zoning him, and they just they play four-man defense and, and cover him with a man. That, that's a way to stop him. Alan, I don't see him on the floor much. If uh, Trent Frazier, Courtney Ramey, and Iowa Desumo are on the floor, I don't see him being the fourth guy out of five, and so he's not going to get enough minutes to, to make a difference. I, I, don't, I don't think Lucas will be there either. I don't think either one of them will be there. If Lucas could figure his confidence out and can do what he is capable of doing driving to the rim, I think he could help his team, especially off the bench. 
uh, next year. But I, I, he's just not consistent enough because he can get to the rim. He's proven that, and he's got the ability. Uh, he can't shoot free throws right now, but I think that's in his head. Uh, he's not a good shooter from three, obviously, and I don't want him shooting threes. But he can break his guy down off the dribble. And so I think he would be a nice you know, backup point guard off the bench to have. I would like to see him remain on the roster. Uh, I I might be in the minority there. but uh, And what would you do with Demonte Williams? Or even Mark Smith, actually. I, well, Mark, Mark, I, I'm not giving up on Mark Smith. I, I am nowhere close to being done with Mark Smith. I, I, I think it's even it makes no sense to be done with that guy. Like He's a freshman, and freshmen who aren't superstar level struggle every time. Find me a freshman. Like, Trey Young was pretty good, but he wasn't expected to be this good. There's yeah, the, but there, he's been struggling. Yeah, he's been he, he he's turns, really been struggling. He turns the ball over more than I turn it over. I mean, he had he, an un, unbelievable streak of three points. I think he went one for nineteen. Yeah, he he's been three struggling. Point shooting. I mean, it's uh, scouting. Teams figured it out. I mean, listen, it, when he, we had D and Darren, they were really good as juniors. They weren't that good as freshmen. No. Darren did okay as a freshman, but I remember watching games and I didn't go, man, Darren's amazing. He's going to be the best. I mean, it just takes time. And Mark Smith right now, it's a confidence issue with him. Uh, I think he's going to be okay once he just gets over the, you know, not playing well. And it's a, just a totally different level playing at Edwardsville versus playing in the Big Ten. And sometimes guys just take a long time to figure that out. Malcolm Hill didn't even start till halfway through his freshman season. Th- same thing for Kendrick Nunn. And uh, so I'm nowhere close done with Mark Smith. I, I've got complete confidence that Mark Smith's going to figure this out. Uh, DeMonte Williams can't really shoot, I don't think. Uh, he had a knack for being in the right place at the right time earlier this season. Um, now he's got the hyperextended knee, so I don't know. There's only a few handful of games left, so I don't know. You know, I, I you keep all the guards happy. Well, no, you can't. No way. Uh, but you know what? You also could never have too many guards. I'd rather have too many than too little, and that's been the problem the last well, few years I, with this team. So they'd have to be this good, but so far they got to prove it. All right, Alan, we got to run. Thanks so much. Uh, give us a call, 356-9397. Texas on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. Another text uh, in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217 area code. Hopefully, Bruce Pearl never hears that keys to the car comment. Uh, Bruce Pearl probably hands out a lot of keys to the car. <laughs> uh, well, it's an expression he means he's going to be in charge of the team. Yeah. All right, well, we got more Alana basketball conversation coming up. I got a chance to uh, talk to Lou Henson yesterday. He was inducted into the Senior Illinoisans Hall of Fame yesterday at the, at the Illini Rebounders Luncheon that they have. Uh, of course, they honored the seniors yesterday at that event as well. But Lou Henson, I got some comments from him. And uh, Lauren, he also had some advice for me about you. It's a real quick thing. I, I, I caught me off guard. It's, this is not scripted in any way. Uh, we'll have that coming up for you next. Stay with us on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. I think that uh, they've had difficulties in different areas of the game, and uh, and I, I think we just didn't have enough time to get them going. And uh, and uh, defensively they're very strong. Offensively we have some players playing and some are not. So uh, it's just kind of a uh, unfortunate season for us. But he couldn't do anything about it. First of all, I told my sisters when you go out to recruit, don't come back and tell me you can't shoot. You got to have shooters to win, and uh, and we have we have maybe one or two, and some shoot the ball well at times, and others don't. So we need better shooting.
Lou Henson on the Illini basketball team. He was a fan of Brad Underwood before Brad was even hired. Uh, just his thoughts on the team this year and shooting. I think everybody can see that, obviously. Don't have to be, don't have to be a coach uh, to know that information. But uh, I, I like the part, Lauren, where he told his assistant coaches, don't talk to him about a guy who can't shoot. I don't want anything to do with him. <laughs> I mean, that's that was uh, I, 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 it's good insight there. And uh, I think Brad is probably saying the same thing uh, about telling his coaches, like, listen, if guys can't shoot, we already have that. Don't bring me those guys. Well, that's why they're hesitant on tries. Mm. But I, I, I see him as more of a, a rim protector and a rebounder, and I don't care if he can't shoot. But if they have two or three other guys on the floor that can shoot, that's okay. If they don't and he's also on the floor, then you've got a big problem. You so, know what I like? I like Penn State's lineup. Yes. All five can score. Yeah. All five can shoot. All five and double figures. Yeah, all five and double figures. I mean, that's, that's a basketball. You, if, if you keep getting guys that have one great weakness – each player has a great weakness. Black is a good player, but he's got a weakness. What is it? Fouls. Yep. He gets in foul. He's been in foul trouble since he got in school. And so and, and he's not a great defender. I mean, I you know, he can't defend the post. I mean, so we still don't have anybody back there blocking shots and, and they need that. By the way, uh, Scott Ritchie just uh, sent a message over from the press conference this morning that uh, Finky is day to day still. Mm-hmm. Probably unlikely to practice today, but will be evaluated again. Might be available Sunday, maybe. I mean, I, from this, I can't tell. And uh, Williams did a light non-contact workout yesterday to be determined what he does today. They'll be starting practice right now. So what, what he does today will determine probably how much or his availability for tomorrow. Yeah, I, it sounds to me like because it's concussion with Finky, uh, I don't see – I don't see him playing tomorrow. I, I would be you? surprised. Yeah, it, it, obviously, um, anything could change, but they're going to be very careful with the concussion. If he's still day to day and he hasn't been practicing, and well, it says probably unlikely to practice today. So yeah. that's. I think if he doesn't practice today, I, I think tomorrow becomes pretty iffy. But yeah, it does. Who, Absolutely. Who knows? Well, I, we'll have to see. It's unfortunate. I think Illinois could use um, his experience on the floor and his passing. Obviously, he hasn't shot the ball well this year at all. But he's that's a long list of guys, and they've got to get uh, Trent Frazier uh, going. By the uh, way, I told you the other day that that the game with uh, Penn State was huge for Penn State, and they came out because they, they they still got a chance to get the NCAA. Yeah. And boy, did they improve their chances against Ohio State. Wow, they just realize blew them out. They they beat Minnesota eighty to fifty six. They beat Ohio State seventy nine to fifty six. <laughs> the last couple of games they've just been explosive. Yeah, they they really have, and they're just really, and they really took it to Illinois down the stretch in, in that game. Penn State, will they make the tournament? That's the question. Uh, well, it depends on the, the games will decide. I'm pulling up their because they've got such big games coming up that these games will. Uh, the the complaint against Penn State is they didn't have enough. Uh, important victories. But if they keep, you know, the Ohio State win is an important victory, and now they've got games against Michigan State and and uh, Purdue coming up, don't they? I think uh, that... Yeah. Right now, si- sitting in... S- I'm pulling the schedule now. Six in the Big Ten at nine and six. Uh, just destroyed Ohio State. That was never a game. That was a blowout at halftime. Now look who they got to play now. Purdue coming up in West Lafayette yep. on uh, Tuesday night. I think that's... How huge is tomorrow that? Night. Tomorrow night. I'm sorry. That's tomorrow night. And then at home against number 22, Michigan. And then they go to Nebraska. So I see uh, they have to beat Purdue, I think, there. I shouldn't say have to. But I think if they beat Purdue, I think they're in. 
I, I just think there's no question. I don't. Well, I, then they got Michigan. Then they got Nebraska. They could lose all those games or win all those games. Yeah, they could. I, I think that out of those three games, the only one Michigan helps them helps them. Oh yeah. Uh, Nebraska is right now apparently on the bubble, uh, so that helps their RPI. But I think the one that helps them the most, obviously, is is Purdue. And if they beat Purdue and split the last two. I think the Nittany Lions are in. I, I don't know how you can well, keep Well, then you out. got a tournament coming. And, yeah. And, and what you do in the tournament is a factor, too. If they won 11 Big Ten games, I, I just don't see how they're out of the NCAA tournament. If they if they win two of their last three games, I don't see how they're out of the, out of the NCAA tournament. I, I, I just don't see that, uh, which would be amazing for Penn State to make the NCAA tournament, just something you don't always expect. Well, Lauren. Uh, well, I, my problem is – I saw him play here last year. I've been expecting him all along. Yeah. I'm the one that's wrong. I've been thinking Penn State's one of our top three or four teams. I've thought that all year. I just don't understand what happened against Ryder. I don't understand how they lose those one-point games. I don't know what prevents them from being one of the top three or four teams. I don't understand it. Yeah, well, that, the, that loss to Ryder, that hurts. That does hurt a lot. Yeah. Well, killer. well, Lauren, I mentioned before the break, Lou had some advice for me oh boy. and you yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I didn't stage this. I just, you know, I go, how you feeling, Lou? And this is Lou's response. You know, I'm feeling better. And if you'll do more talking Saturday morning and, and, and push Lauren to, to the side, I'd feel a lot better. <laughs> I don't think Lauren will let me talk more. I'm, I'm going to let him talk more. <laughs> okay, Lauren. Uh, I'm sorry. I just had to say that. <laughs> again, I... I didn't have anything to do with that. I totally <laughs> caught me off guard. As you can tell, my response, I was like, I, what? I mean, so uh, Lou suggests that I, you know, maybe turn your mic off a little bit more often. That'd be good. And uh, as you heard him, uh, <laughs> I told him, I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, you're 50 plus years of knowledge of Illinois athletics. Yeah. I, I don't belong in the same room with you sometimes. It's an old story. I forgot more than I ever know. <laughs> you have more, forgotten. I've, more than anybody. <laughs> you have forgotten more than I'll ever know about And I've Illinois. forgotten everything. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, you, there's no way I'll, I'll ever, I mean, I, I won't be covering Illinois for 51 years. I, I, I don't envision that happening. Uh, so that's, you, you've definitely, if you've forgotten something, it's still more, more than I know. Well, let's go back to the phones here on, on the, give us a call at 356-9397. You can also text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Let's go out to Arizona. It's not snowing out there like it is in St. Louis for the Illini baseball team. Tom, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a question away from basketball for a minute to football. Good. Okay. Uh, earlier this week, I think it was, it might have been last week, but they announced that a young man from Gibson City, Melvin Sibley, uh, was coming to Illinois to play football as a preferred walk-on. Right. What does that mean? It means he doesn't have a scholarship, but uh, otherwise he's, uh, you know, they make sure that he gets in and everything, and they, they work out things for him so he can – get in school, and, and they treat him as a member of the squad, but he's not on scholarship. Okay, but what's the difference from that than a walk-on? Well, uh, the difference is that they have gone out of their way to treat him like another uh, member of the squad as a po- uh, before he gets there as opposed to a student who decides to come out for football on his own. That'd be a walk-on. Okay. A preferred walk-on is somebody who has an advantage coming in. Okay, okay. I, Mitchell yeah. McNutt is uh, who you're talking about there, 5'11", right. 210 pounds, and uh, he has signed with Illinois. And 
Um, Lovey has been really working on that, as you know, Lauren, the, the building up the walk-on program. It wasn't where he thought it needed to be, mm-hmm. and so Lovey's making that a priority. And when you have a preferred walk-on, uh, that's a guy that Lovey thinks could help the program in some way at some point, uh, whether it's on the field or whether wh- whether that's a different conversation. And they've got another walk-on named Griffin from Danville, who's a kicker, who's been promised a scholarship after one He's year. He's a blue shirt, yeah, which blue, means he counts toward the 2019 class. Right. So there are all kinds of walk-ons. I mean, yeah, that's, well, that's why I wondered. I wondered if the preferred walk-on was, uh, you know, you do well your freshman year. We're probably going to give you a scholarship your sophomore year. No, no, they're too. Okay. They have a number of preferred that would would not be guaranteed anything, but they could still earn it. I mean, if he's good enough, that you right. Know. Well, that's what I mean. That they're going to be taking a good look at them, and so okay. Question answered. All right, thanks okay. so much, Tom. Anything else for us? No, that's it. Uh, I've got a lot of things, but uh, <laughs> just let them all go. No, that's all right. Have a great weekend, Tom. Before you go you back too. to uh, football, and I want to go back to football, but uh, Finky is not dressed for practice. Williams is, and Finky's still in protocol. Uh, Williams likely to practice today. All right. Okay. All right, well, there's an update uh, from – Alani practice this morning. Tell me about your uh, Friday night discussion with uh, uh, Patterson, Corey Patterson. Oh, yeah, we had him on uh, Thursday night uh, on Sports Talk uh, at at, at Scotty's Brewhouse, and he came out. We had him on for about Matt Daniels and I, probably about 25 minutes or so, and uh, really great guy. Uh, uh, We obviously met him when he was introduced to the the media a couple weeks ago, uh, but very very soft-spoken guy and just uh, laid back, and he's happy to be in town. And one of the – we have Matt and I kind of joke with him. He still kind of he says sometimes he still has trouble walking into Lovey's office. He'll uh, he'll send someone else in there. He might have been joking about that, but he's just kind of in awe of Lovey because he you know watched him coach in the NFL and he was just a high school coach and now he's on Lovey's staff and it's just kind of a a different thing. But uh, no, he is. Uh, had a lot of good players at Trinity Catholic, and uh, there's a, it's a big recruiting weekend. It's junior junior day is what today is, and about 20-some kids or so are from St. Louis are here. And I, know I wonder what to do with them all day on Saturday with no game, but uh, they'll be uh, at the game Sunday, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I don't know if it's just today or if it's today and tomorrow. I don't know the whole setup of the yeah, weekend. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I, I do know that they're, they're here today. Yeah, and about half of those 20-some kids or whatever the number ends up being uh, with the weather in St. Louis, who knows how many of them actually made it up here, uh, but if, are from Trinity Catholic, where Patterson was the head coach just last season, and there are a lot of good players on that roster that are heavily recruited uh, by a lot of different schools. And so Illinois has got an in on them with Corey Patterson uh, being on this staff right yeah, now. They wouldn't have all these guys visiting if they hadn't hired Corey Patterson. He's obviously got in touch with a lot of players down there. Well, and the relationships that he has with other high school coaches in the area – um, I, I think that is something that not only does he have relationships with the players that were on the, his team, but he knows a lot of guys in that community, all the different high schools that he was around and with, and coaches, it's fraternity, they talk to each other. And so he's got some respect, I would imagine, uh, from coaches down there. Probably a little jealousy that I was at a Power 5 Division One job. They might have wanted the same thing at some point. But um, I think that helps Illinois at the other schools that have good players too because of his – uh, how long, he spent his whole life down there. I mean, he's well known down there. I think that helps Illinois in the long run. Now, whether it leads to enough players, uh, three, four, and five star players out of the out of St. Louis area, we we'll to find out. Because as you know, that did not go well. This well, this past recruiting class. No, well, th- there <laughs> it's a long 
grind to to if you can if you can get players out of St. Louis and start to get some out of Chicago really help because I know that it, uh, we all know that there are more players in Florida and Texas and California but you're also bucking a lot more schools there. Yeah, it's it's going to be really hard huh? cuz a lot of those schools come in there and uh Illinois try to get the linebacker who, you know, committed to Texas and then visited here a couple times and then he had a whole news conference admit he was still going to Texas. So all right, uh, we've got more coming up. Got a few other text messages still to get to on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. Give us a call as well, 356-9397. Illinois baseball not coming up at 11 o'clock this morning. They were still at the team hotel just a little while ago due to the snow in St. Louis. So if you're just joining us, hoping to get in and ahead of Illinois baseball coverage in a few minutes because originally uh, pregame with Scott Bates expecting to get underway at 1045. There is no Illinois baseball game at 11, maybe later today. They got two games to get in today down there at St. Louis University. Illinois uh, did not get to go to Texas due to the fog up in Chicago on Thursday. So uh, we'll let you know if Illinois baseball plays at some point today. Lauren, you got something for me? Yeah, uh, Derek Piper is available to call, so we should call him uh, right after this break. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take a break here. Come back with Derek Piper of AlanaInquire.com. Get his thoughts on uh, this season and more. That's coming up next here on DWS. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. I'm Michael Kaiser. He's Lauren Tate. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We've got some more Illini basketball conversation. Please be joined on the phone from State Farm Center, I'm guessing, is Derek Piper. Derek, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Give Derek a follow on at, on Twitter at dpiper247. Well, uh, we've had some news on earlier that Michael Finke is still in concussion protocol. It seems very unlikely that he's going to play tomorrow. Uh, just a, kind of a, always a, a touchy situation. Got to be careful with the concussion, but it doesn't look like he's going to play. Yeah, it doesn't, and uh, he hasn't had a chance to practice yet since suffering that concussion uh, last Saturday. And um, they were gonna, you know, Brad Underwood said that he's gonna have to go through a physical test to be able to be cleared for practice, and it doesn't look like that he he cleared this morning. So, uh, yeah, unlike very unlikely that he'll play. So, Greg Boyd-Bedine will remain the starting center. It looks like. And uh, you know, Boyd-Bedine looked good at times in that game the other night when he was at, not in foul trouble and. Uh, just very aggressive, and, and, and that's something that he has not the last couple games. Had, we hadn't seen that from him. Yeah, he had some really good early minutes and uh, was very active on the glass. And he, you know, got a steal. He had a dunk to open the game, a couple offensive rebounds. But he, he needs to finish some more around the rim, I think, when he gets those offensive rebounds, able to put it back and put it in the hole. And then also, obviously, stay out of foul trouble. That's been a big concern for him. But Brad talked today about really liking his minutes and his energy. That's something they need, and, and he gives them something, you know, athletically that they don't really have in their front court otherwise. So uh, it's a growing process for him, but uh, needs to continue to mature and uh, limit those fouls that are unnecessary and then also just be more confident and more comfortable with his offensive game in the, in the post and, and be able to finish. Uh, Derek, before I ask you about uh, Courtney Ramey, who we saw the other night, um, what is your feeling about Penn State and Nebraska? Nebraska coming in here. Uh, we just saw what Penn State looked like, and particularly against Ohio State, um, making the NCAA tournament. Those two teams make it, you know, right now only four appear to be in. Can either one of those, and by the way, they play each other, can either one of those two get in the NCAA tournament? It sounds like Penn State would have the better chance um, based on what I'm hearing from 
you know, bracketologists and, and those who are, are really, you know, ingrained in the RPIs and whatnot. And obviously that win against Ohio State, they have two of them now. Uh, those are two big-time wins for them. And, um, I mean, they, they slaughtered them at home, and yeah. that, that was a huge win. And they're going to have a couple more opportunities. Um, I, I believe they play Michigan and yeah. they play Nebraska. Purdue. And, and Purdue. Uh, and Purdue, yeah. So if they're able to, you know, win another one or two of those games, I, I could really see them working their way on the right side of the bubble. And then Nebraska, they really control their own destiny. I think that if you're a 13-14 win Big Ten team, it's going to be really hard to, to keep them out, especially if they are able to reel off a couple of wins uh, out there in uh, in New York. So I know that their resume isn't as strong, but then again, they played really tight with Kansas. Uh, they were in the game for most of it against Creighton. Uh, I know quality wins are, are a question mark with them, but – once again, you, you know, you're coming from the Big Ten and, and you know how top-heavy it is, but if you win 13, 14 conference games, that's, that would be hard to imagine them being left out. be hard to imagine. When, okay, what do you think about uh, Courtney Ramey from Webster Groves? I love him. Uh, I'm a big fan of his and saw him score 32 points uh, against Mario McKinney. I know that he came up short and uh, really made a lot of his you know production at the free throw line. I think he made 20 free throws in the night and it really hurt him when Cartier Gordon was in foul trouble and then also then gets ejected from the game as he dunked on McKinney right before halftime. Uh, that really sent that place pretty wild, as you know, when you yeah. we were there. But uh, I love his toughness. Uh, I love the fact that he's a leader. He's a gamer. Uh, can really make a lot of plays off the dribble. He's not a great shooter, but uh, he had a couple of pull-up threes that were nice. And he just makes other people around him better. And you can really see that the way he sees the floor and, you know, they spaced it out. He had some kicks to the corner that his teammates didn't knock down. But if you can put shooters around him and other guys that can make plays, I mean, he, he's going to be a big-time college player. What did he say to you after the game? Yeah, he said that, you know, I asked him about Illinois and, and said they continue to come on with what he called a, a great push. And um, Brad Underwood is continuing to develop that relationship. And that's really, really important to him is, you know, as a point guard, that's, that, that relationship between him and the head coach is as important as anything. So he, he talks to, to Brad, he said on the phone, you know, at least once a week and um, texts him all the time. And, I, you know, he really likes the sell that, that Illinois has given him, which is the fact that they love that he's a winner. They love that he's a leader. And they want him to come in and lead this team from day one, which is really resonating well with him. Now, you know that Illini fans have been burned a little bit by some of our uh... – uh, previous prognostications relative to Mark Smith. Uh, how right. does he differ from Mark Smith? How tall is he? He's six foot three, and I, you know, I think that he's a little more athletic in, in terms of laterally, and then uh, I, I think, you know, the comparative in terms of their rise off the floor. But Ramey, first and foremost, you know, he, he's a basketball player, and you know, Mark was a was a baseball guy and got in late and didn't play against the highest level of competition. But, you know, Courtney's gone to these these top 100 camps and has played against a lot of the top players in, in the country. And I think that he's able to get by guys off the dribble, which is something that Mark is struggling with. And, you know, Mark was a guy in high school that really relied on his physicality, uh, being able to put a guy on his hip and finish at the rim. And I know that's being tough for him going against taller, longer guys um, or even quicker guys. When he gets to the rim, he's, he's having a hard time finishing. So with, with Courtney, I think that, you know, he, he translated a little better immediately. I'm still, you know, not down on Mark Smith in terms of what he can be. 
uh, especially if he's able to to get his shot going. Because I think that you know Mark shot the ball his senior year a lot better than than Courtney did. So I, I think they differ a little bit, but but Courtney's you know lateral quickness, what he's able to do with the ball in his hands, um, I think that translates a little bit better. Derek Piper of IlliniInquire.com joining us on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS, Illini Inquirer on the 24-7 Sports Network. Well, Derek, uh, you mentioned Cartier Gordon there. Uh, I want to go back to him for a minute because of the situation at St. Louis. And uh, he was asked, and he says he's going to evaluate the situation. Do you see him wanting to find a way to move on? I know he signed his letter of intent and that kind of thing, I believe. But do you see him wanting to move on from that situation due to what's going on at St. Louis? Very possible, uh, very possible, and I know that we'll have to wait and see how some things play out. I know, you know obviously, Jordan Goodwin gets the suspension, and um, he's actually you know, not even at school right now, mm-hmm. uh, I think for maybe even the rest of the semester. So uh, that, that situation is going to have to play out, and, and Cartier is a really, really talented player. I know he's had some issues. You know, He was suspended from the team a couple of weeks ago, getting a fight with a teammate, and then obviously you know, gets ejected the other night uh, for leaving the bench. And, uh, you know, can't blame him for showing some emotion, but at the same time, you got to be smart. So, uh, but a guy with that kind of talent, if he is able to get out of, uh, I believe he's signed. If he's able to get out of his letter of intent, um, clearly he, he would have some options there. And I know people will be quick to think, well, Mizzou would probably take him, and, and absolutely they probably would. So, uh, I think that'll be an option on the table for him, especially if things continue to go sourly you know at at slew and if anything happens to travis ford but that all remains to be seen we got a call in here a moment ago about tillman how do you think gordon compares i mean he's not at the level of tillman is he no i don't think so uh tillman was longer um uh, tillman has been maybe more more consistently productive i know both of them have struggled with foul trouble and uh, but yeah, Tillman's more of a true center. Where you know Cartier is about six foot seven, six foot eight, um, power forward, who just he makes a lot of plays around the basket with it, with his strength and how hard he plays. But he also gets in trouble with that in, in terms of being too physical. But I think Tillman has a higher ceiling because of his length, and then also uh, he has shown an ability to you know block shots and uh, step out and hit the mid range game. So. One more comparison. Yeah, not, one more comparison with Okoro from Normal West. Comparing Gordon yeah. to Okoro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think with Francis right now, I mean, he's an elite level shot blocker and rebounder, and love the way that he runs the floor. You don't see a guy at six foot nine run the floor like him uh, all too often. But offensively, really raw and. Uh, you kind of got to have some good guard play around him to take the focus off of him, the pressure off of him. I've seen him hit some mid-range. I've seen him good back-to-the-basket game at times. It's just not that consistent. I think Cartier has been a more consistent scorer than Okoro, but Okoro gives you more with his length and on the glass and uh, ability to block shots. Derek, we got a, a question in our Castle Heating Cooling text line. Uh, that Will Io DeSumo family be okay with Courtney Ramey? Uh, coming to Illinois, what's what's that dynamic there? Is there any kind of relationship at all between uh, those two? Yeah, they know each other. They they played against each other at, at those you know top 100 camps and whatnot. And uh, Courtney said, told us a couple of weeks ago that they've got a competitive relationship. And you got to remember, these are two guys coming up in the Midwest who are always in the co- conversation in that class is you know who's the best 
point guard, so you know, in the area. So there's a little bit of a rivalry there, I think. But uh, Courtney says he he would have no problem playing with Io, and um, Illinois is selling him on being able to be a really dynamic backcourt with you know the ball in Courtney's hands, but also Io will be able to do some things, and then clearly Trent Frazier. So that's kind of a, a trio that they're really harping on and selling right now. It'll be interesting to see what Io has to say about it. I know that there's been some dialogue between the staff and and Iowa trying to get a gauge on how you feel about it. At the same time, uh, they're not going to let that deter them from their from making a push. You know, Iowa's signed, and uh, he made that decision, and the, and the staff is trying to make the best move for this team, and clearly they need more talent, more athleticism all over the place. So Courtney would be a big-time get, and I think they could all coexist. You know, him, Trent, and Iowa, and you throw Mark Smith in there in that rotation as well. So uh, I think they'd be able to figure it out. Well, we got just about a couple more, more minutes left in the show, but I wanted before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about uh, Austin Trice, and they offered him this week, but uh, no movement there as of uh, this moment. Yeah, not just yet. I know he's gotten he's stacking some offers, and it's funny how sometimes Illinois pulls the trigger on an offer, and then a bunch of other schools come in. But uh, I, I know that he was just ecstatic to, to pick up that Illinois offer, and he visited there for the game on Sunday, and. Didn't get the offer on Sunday, but Brad Underwood followed up the next day, gave him the call, and extended the offer. So Illinois is in a really, really good spot if they want to take him, and I think they will because they just see him you know, as a guy that is a surefire thing on the glass. He, he's a really, really good rebounder. He's a plus athlete, a guy that can finish above the rim. I know skill-wise, he leaves, he's limited there. So that hurts, but at the same time, you need some guys that are Big Ten-level athletes. That's what they see him as. They built a good relationship. Shane Coleman has been familiar with him in the past, and uh, he wants to play at Illinois if uh, the opportunity comes and there's the offer. So uh, I think that ultimately will be where he ends up. Derek, uh, thanks for hopping on with, on with us real quick. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow against Nebraska. Yeah, sounds good. Good talking to you guys. Yep. All right, thanks. That's Derek Piper of IlliniInquire.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at dpiper247. Uh, IlliniInquire.com is a part of the 24-7 sports network. Quick text to get to uh, the on the Castle Heating Cooling text line. Uh, I'm a little too late on this, but Auburn has a new AD. Jay Jacobs is out. I'm not sure if that was mentioned. Uh, no, and it was not mentioned earlier. 618, uh, Eric, could have three basketball coaches and four football coaches can't get good players to Illinois. Illinois shouldn't be in a good conference. Uh, it's the same conversation we have every week. Illinois is going to be in the Big Ten. They're one of the original members, and Illinois basketball has won a lot of games over the years. Illinois belongs in the Big Ten. Well, thanks to our guest today, Will Leach. Uh, Lauren, we just love having him on. He's just, he just covers a lot of different things, and now he's got his own TV show, and we're, we're fortunate enough to have him on. I wish I'd have said what he said. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm always thinking the same thing. Boy, I wish I would have thought of that. Uh, thanks to Brett Moore updating us on Illinois baseball. Again, right now they are not playing at 11 a.m., as you might have guessed, because that would be starting in 40 seconds. Uh, they're snowing down in St. Louis, expected to play South Dakota State. Uh, stay with us here. We'll let you know if anything changes. Go to our, our Twitter account. Go to Illinois Baseball Twitter account. Uh, and Go to news-gazette.com as well uh, for any updates uh, if they are going to play. Uh, thanks to Derek Piper, IlliniInquire.com, hopping on with us for a, a few minutes following Brad Underwood's news conference this morning. Lauren, we did it again. They let us. All right. So, all right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for your phone calls. Thanks for your text. Thanks to Evan Kahn uh, for running the controls, once again, producing today's show. Body Illini game day tomorrow at 1 o'clock here on DWS and our sister station, Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. Have a great weekend, everybody.